Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Hillbrook CTE Podcast. My name is Bill Selleck, I'm our Director of Technology. And my name is Annie Makala, the Director of the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship. All right, so we are continuing with our six pillars of social entrepreneurship. Last episode, story, if you missed that one, go back, listen to that. That was a good one. Yeah, I hope some of you have taken up our offer and tried out the StoryCorps app. We'd love to know how it went and and who you interviewed. So reach out, tell us your story about using the pillar of story. I see what you did there. That's so great. (laughs) Yeah. So that, that's definitely one that is in my wheelhouse. One is one I'm most comfortable with, but I wonder if we dive into the next one. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about a topic that isn't always so easy, um, both as adults and with children. Right. Also doesn't feel as obvious as some of the others for a fit into school and it is finance the pillar of finance the pillar talking of about finance. money so let's start off why is it important to talk to kids about finance about money i have so many answers to this and we're not going to be able to dig deep into it to many of them so i i really encourage um, anyone who's interested in this topic to reach out so that we can have longer conversations um i've been doing a lot of reading around this work so i'm, I'm going to reference a few thought leaders that have been really influential um in my learning about this topic and that's also, also a great place for show notes so show if you want to go deeper we'll link to all the things yeah check out our show notes that is that is where bill really plays his role as director of technology because I don't even know what show notes are other than you click the three dots that say, show me more, I think. Yeah. Well, it's notes for the show. Right. But where do you <laughs> find notes for a show? I well, thought that was something we shared on like a Google Doc. Yeah. So we, we type it in a Google Doc. That's how we plan this stuff out. I, I sometimes will paste stuff in while we talk. And then um, it shows up on our website. So org, And also wherever you get your podcasts, it's in the description. Got it. Okay. I definitely know about the descriptions. Yeah. I think you are doing something that people do in the finance world that is both wonderful and problematic, which is that you're using technology jargon. Right. And that's a good thing if you are part of that world. It's a really problematic thing if you are trying to enter that world. So that's something we're actually going to talk about today with the finance Oh, look at you making that relevant, making connections. Yeah. So why is it important to talk to kids about finance? So the the thing that I, you know, is I, I think is really important to just name right from the beginning Kids are talking to kids about money. Whether we name it as like dollar amounts or a system of finance is is a bigger topic, but the exchange of um, ideas around money is happening from a very young age. We know that there's um, discussion around how you assign value to things as early as children are navigating language and, and even oftentimes beforehand. So it's an important recognition that even if we're not teaching it, it's still happening. It's happening on the playground. It's happening in the lunchroom. It's happening during morning meeting. There are negotiations of what things hold value for children all the time. Yeah, so that actually makes sense. I'm thinking even just something as simple as the tooth fairy. Right. Which starts, well, for our oldest, started in junior kindergarten. There right. you go. How much did the tooth fairy give you? Dad, how come the tooth fairy gave, right? Right. I was like, come on, like it should be a quarter. Anything more than a quarter is a win. Right. And yet they're having these conversations in the playground. 
That's never right. even thought about that. And you know, even things just like trading is a is a piece of finance. It's part of how people assign value. So if we can pull back and talk about the pillar of finance, although people you know immediately want to go to money and privilege and power and all of those things are deeply connected to why we want to talk about this pillar. Um, But really the way I see finance is that it's a system and it's a system that assigns value and it's a system that can be shaped and shifted by those that live within it. Say that last part one more time. Um, It's It's a a system. system. It's a system that assigns value. And it's a system we all are part of, whether we like that or not. We are all in some way navigating the system of finance. And then we can shape it. And shift it. And shift it. We, not just the people. That's right. Okay. We talk a lot about, um, especially in middle school, your dollar is a vote. So for children that are coming in and, you know, having big ideas around social entrepreneurship, we talk about like the the role of agency, which is another pillar. And we'll, I'm excited to dig into that one. Yes, yes. And and you'll start recognizing there's, it's really actually quite difficult to separate each pillar individually. That, That part of our goal with the six pillars of social entrepreneurship education is that they are intertwined and intermingled and connected in all we do. And that we're giving children different entry points for these pillars um, to see the world through that lens, but then to also try to make those connections. So the story of finance um, is one that is complex and rooted in um, parts of our history that are complicated, um, but we do have to talk about them and we do have to recognize that we live in a very privileged part of the country and we live in a really complex system of capitalism and... um, giving children access and insight into that system is really empowering. So if you have, when we have a child that comes in and says, I want to, you know, I want to have a fundraiser for this nonprofit. This is something we get quite often. It's a great problem to have. It's also complicated because it's the individual saying this matters to me and I want it to matter to everyone else. So I want to start this thing and I want everyone to give to it or I want everyone to get on board with it. What they're trying to navigate with that conversation is they're trying to understand how they can shift and shape the system of finance to connect to something that they want to see change. So if they have had an experience recently where they've served at a food bank or if they've gone to an animal shelter, their immediate connection is, I want this place to be valued by others. I want other people to care about this place like me. So the thing that I know to do is to host a fundraiser, have a lemonade stand. Those things are fine, and we're not trying to push back on that idea. Fundraising is a core part of many things that most of us do throughout our life. That's a skill set. We should be building that skill set. We should understanding. We should be understanding our connection to philanthropy. We should be understanding our connection to our own investment portfolios. All of those pieces are important, and they are part of our finance pillar. I'm waiting for the and. And <laughs> you're right to point that out because I was getting up on my tippy toes because I'm much more excited about the second part. Yes which is how do we actually deepen children's understanding of all the ways that they can connect um, to the things that matter to them. And so that's that's definitely understanding the story of the people who work for the organizations and, and um, are connected to the things that matter to them. And that's where we try to start. Who are these people? Are they running the work? How does this connect to our larger values as a school, as an individual? Um, and then how can we help you make sense of how you can fit into that structure and really support the work both from yes there is a side of that that can be monetary but it can be all sorts of other things as well 
So what else can it be then? So we often talk about, um, I was just having this conversation yesterday with a group of eighth grade girls who have proposed just such an incredible, I mean, this is the moment where you and I have been talking about this for a while, like pieces of reach beyond have been happening and there's always a moment for teachers and it's happened like four times this week where they come running into our office or I see them across campus and they're like, you won't believe what just happened. And all of these pieces come together and that happened for me yesterday and interrupt for just a moment so reach beyond yes right reach beyond block is a uh, a block of time at hillbrook school for middle school it's tuesdays in the afternoon so after lunch until school gets out yep. for our younger students it's thursdays from after lunch until school gets out and the the goal of that or an time, appropriate amount of time for yes, that age is group. for students to reach beyond themselves and make a difference so it's mixed and where does that groups. statement come from bill that comes from hillbrook's vision yeah so yes. it's a core part of who we are as a school who we um, continue to push ourselves to be and that really is also the core of um, where the scott center for social entrepreneurship was launched yes directly out of that vision um, when we did the parent survey and created the parent and faculty survey and then created vision 2020 a lot of people named the thing that I would love to see the school dig into is the reach beyond part of our vision statement. Yeah. We do so many things really well at Hillbrook and we have opportunities to both share that with the larger community, but also help our children connect to what is happening in the community in a meaningful and thoughtful way. Yeah, absolutely. And I would argue that most educators also like this strongly resonates with them. It is not a unique vision of Hillbrook for That's our right. students to make a difference in the world. So back to this group of eighth grade girls, they run over. Yeah. So they run over and we, I had had a, um, a kind of impromptu pop-up session with them over the summer, um, where they were like, we want to design a reach beyond block. And I was like, great, what are we going to design? And I was on campus all summer and we were working on the impact and equity lab, which is a new space we have on campus, um, to both be able to gather these kind of pop-up conversations, um, but also to, to showcase some of the work of, um, diversity, equity, and inclusive inclusion, and then um, the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship and the Center for Teaching Excellence. So we were in the Equity and Impact Lab, and we started talking about the things that really matter to them. And, and it was a group of four girls with very diverse interests and, and different ways of seeing the world. There's a student that is deeply connected to ocean preservation. There's a student who's really interested in um, economic inequality in emerging market countries and had traveled recently um, to a few places that really um, made her pause and say, like, something isn't working. Something is not fair. And that, that word fair, like, was something that really resonated with her. So we started digging into, okay, so what is what is this topic that we might be able to bring to um to bring to light through Reach Beyond Block. And really what came out of it is is a conversation about the different types of capital. So when you're talking about capital in a finance term, people often refer to financial capital, which might be money, investments, loans, grants, all that really important piece of it. And what was really exciting about that day is in a couple hours, we'd been able to dig into the eight types of capital, which include things like social capital, intellectual capital and different ways of broadening how we perceive value in communities but also how we can share value in communities so your social capital is all about the people you spend your time with your networks um, and i know that word has has been buzzy in the past but it, it truly is like children at this campus spend time building relationships both with their peers 
and with faculty and with other families. And we know those relationships matter well beyond their time at Hillbrook. Does this also tie in with like how many followers you have on Instagram? Yeah, that's an interesting, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you are wearing that lens. I think that is true. We had a, we had a fascinating conversation. Of course, eighth grade girls, um, understand influencers much better than I do. Sure. Um, and, and there is something there. There is something about the globalization of technology, the ability to connect with people that are also caring about your top, something that matters to you in other parts of the world and, and pulling your resources together. And I mean that both financial resources. I, of course, also mean that intellectual resources, emotional resources. Um, so there are ways that that certainly things like Instagram and Facebook have have allowed children to dig in deeper, children and adults to dig in deeper to some of this work. Yeah, and I've even seen, I'm thinking back to an eighth grade capstone project where um, one of our eighth graders, Josh, read um, a book. Was it A Long Walk to Water? Yes. And I actually, he, he created basically some social media assets to share out. And initially he started with, uh, I want to sell hot dogs at the park and then donate money to this nonprofit. Um, and we ended up actually just trying to shine a light on the nonprofit and um, reached out to the author who wrote the book that really inspired him. And I think he kind of did on his own or... or um, there's some way where it's just like, a, you know, someone with kind of 10 followers reached out. And then I reached out with my account that has 7,000 followers. Nice. And, um, and the amount of traction that I got actually spread his word faster, right? So he immediately resonated with, oh, like there's some things that actually having more capital, more social capital. I didn't have yeah. right, the vocabulary for that. Uh, but even when I shared it out, I, I suggested and he was so nervous, like, let's yeah. tag the author, right? And thank totally. her for her right. work. Um, and she reached back that day and was like, this is amazing. Like, thank That's you awesome. so much. This is such a powerful story to hear. And I'm glad it resonated with you. That's so, awesome. you know, being able to, to share that even. Well, and that, you know, we're going to talk a lot more about this actually when we talk about the systems pillar, because a, a mentor and, and really a incredible thinker about this topic is um, a woman named Daniela Pappy Thornton, um, who has become a dear friend of mine as well. And she does a lot of work on systems thinking. But in connection to that, she's done some work on around something called the heropreneur, which is um, it's actually deeply problematic in the social entrepreneurship world, um, which is when you have kind of like the individual has come to solve the problem. And instead of that being about really the, the challenge that we're asking people to dig into, it becomes about that single person right. making the, the, you know, the change. And it's never a single person. Right. Here's my nonprofit. Here's the difference I made. And now I will get into the college I want because right. I started. Or here's my business. And this yeah. is true of children all the way to, you know, we talk about this all the same, all the time. The patterns from four to 94 year olds are quite similar. Yes. Yeah. And so how do we break some of these patterns? How do we help people understand that entrepreneurship really is about collaboration, connecting to others, but it's a specific kind of collaboration. It's not just saying we collaborate, we work together. It's about recognizing the ways in which you can find people that have different expertise, find people that have different talents, different interests, and build cohesion around those ideas to make yourself and whatever problem you're trying to dig into even more approachable. And the way I now understand it is if you're not doing that, it is not social entrepreneurship. 
That is my opinion, and I, I um, want to be really clear. Some of what we're saying is is controversial in the social entrepreneurship education world, um, but worth naming and worth digging into um, because I think what we're trying to do at Hillbrook and with the Scott Center is really understand You know, there's not another center for social entrepreneurship that starts with four-year-olds. Yeah. I've looked. It doesn't exist. So um, some of this is about connecting what, what things do exist for JK to eighth grade schools, and there's great work happening around design thinking, around service learning, around innovation, and we are pulling from you know pieces of that work, but we're also saying um, maybe we have an opportunity and and perhaps an obligation to dig a little bit deeper into this topic. Yeah, absolutely. So I've seen this come up in the way of Kiva loans mm. in a super interesting way. I wonder if you can tell us about my favorite the partnership. Of oh, yes. I love this partnership so much. Before, before I talk specifically about Kiva Loans, I think an important clarification um, that, that it's a question we get all the time when people come to visit the Scott Center. And it's, oh, so like, are you helping second graders start a business? My child, you know, has a slime business and a t-shirt business. And that's always really exciting. I'm always really curious about what kids, you know, are doing at home or in the evenings or on the weekends um, in terms of like getting their hands dirty and messy. And, and really, that's actually a great way to learn pieces of finance. Like, how much money did I have to spend on these materials? How much will I have to charge to make ends meet like these are important budgeting experiences and if children can have them at young ages that's a that's a really good thing absolutely and the true purpose of entrepreneurship and specifically social entrepreneurship education is not necessarily that children will create businesses but instead children will feel more connected as human beings they will feel like imaginative thinkers who have curious minds and who fight for our planet and for the people that matter most to them. And so that's really the piece of social entrepreneurship is, um, yes, it is definitely a skill set. Finance is a skill set, and we are teaching it, and it is important, and I am really excited about that piece, and I want to put it in a larger context, and that's where the eight types of capital or currency, some people refer to it as the eight types of currency. Um, and Kiva loans fit into that, but just to um, be sure we name what those eight types of capital are Mm -hmm. you should you should definitely ask um well wait wait two months and then ask an eighth grader at hillbrook and see (laughs) be my testers and see if they know what we're talking about um but those types of capital are social capital material capital so that's what are your natural resources financial capital so that is money Living capital. Oh, this one's really fun. This is something that like Brian Orbiza and Sarah Hollingsworth and Gail Shue dig in deeply. That's our science team. Our science, our amazing science team. Um, Carbon, nitrogen, water. So those are, you know, soil and living organisms, land, ecosystem services that really are core to our life on Earth. Natural resources. Natural resources. Intellectual capital, ideas and knowledge. That's a really fun one for children because it's capital that no one could ever take away from you. Yeah, also creativity, right? Creativity, curiosity, exploration. Um, Experiential capital, so that's action. It means uh, travel you've done, people you've met, but the experience, you've actually like moved your body into a new place um, and have both like a physical memory of doing a hike you know, going to a new country, traveling to island school in the Bahamas, that's an experiential capital um, example. Now, is that connected like to empathy? Is that why that's counted as capital that you can actually like imagine what others feel like? I would say empathy. I would also um, say, you know, 
cultural we're going to talk about cultural capital it's definitely tied to it um but yeah when we think about like the five senses and our ability to experience a place you know there's great things happening i know you know this um with being able to get information about different places on the internet but like smelling a meal doing the hike is very different and so you're experiencing that in a very different way so i would say it's 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 deeply tied to yes empathy and to wisdom also the difference between knowing something and doing something exactly and you know we're biased towards action at hillbrook like yeah we can talk about what's happening in downtown san jose it's also really important that we get in a van and we go down there sure um spiritual capital so these are things like when we talk about um intention faith karma that's you know a larger conversation of like how do you connect to things that you might not be able to put your finger on and that's different for every individual but what we have found is that typically when we talk about this people have some way um, that they tie into spiritual capital and then of course cultural capital um, which is about song and story and one of my new favorites you know this because i presented this book at one of our faculty meetings recently but it's about ritual and how important ritual is to children and adults um, and how we've lost pieces of ritual recently. And um, this book is called The 50, Rit- 50 Rituals in the Workplace. And the one that I have I've done a horrible job of committing to this year, but I've named it for everyone. So I need this is a good reminder that I need to keep doing this is a ritual that I've been trying to do is to touch the door frame every time I enter a room as just a quick reminder of the energy that I'm bringing into that space. So just like a a quick recognition of like, as I enter this classroom or as I enter this meeting, 10 things might've happened that, you know, are affecting the way that I'm going into this space, but here's my reset. And one that I, oh, this was super fun. One that I just um, co-created with a second grade student, Devin, is um, two snaps and and a couple blinks as just like a reset of energy. And, um, I feel like my yoga teacher, who I've only gone to yoga maybe 10 times in my life, but um, I feel very committed to what yoga represents. So my yoga teacher would tell me like, that energy really matters. And it's been so fun. Every time I see the student on campus, we do our little ritual. And it's just like a quick check-in that doesn't actually disrupt the learning, doesn't disrupt the mindset, but is also like a connection point. Yeah, I've seen this so many times with those Facebook shares of like the teacher that has the super complex high five routine and it takes you know like eight minutes to get the whole class in the door and they're like this is what school's about it's about relationships but you could also look at it in terms of this is actually about ritual exactly yeah so eight types of capital oh there's so much there and we are so the girls at the end of this just to come full story on this story there are there's a group of students in eighth grade that um proposed to reach beyond block a six-week cycle they mapped it out week one this week two this um, and Miss Maisel, Eden Maisel, who's done incredible work at Holbrook for many, many years and is um, deeply connected to the eighth grade class in many ways, advisor, um, does all of the high school counseling, and currently has an eighth grade son. Yes. So she and I are going to co-lead this, and hopefully we'll pull in Margaret Randazzo, our CFO here at Holbrook, and turn this idea of a Reach Beyond block that was inspired by eighth grade girls into reality um and we're calling it it was gift girls in finance and tech gifted education um and they renamed it which is just brilliant i love when this happens they were like that's a fine name it's not a great name and they were like it should be called wifty 
women in finance and tech teaching youth. And the whole point, and well, there were many points of why they renamed it, but they were like, we need to have boys in this room. Like if you call it girls in finance and tech, it's going to mean that only girls are in this room. What we're trying to share is the stories and access for women in finance and tech. And in order to do that well, we need to have you know, all sorts of different kinds of people in the room having that conversation. That's going to be so great having Margaret, our CFO in there, because I've heard her so many times say what I love about finance is your ability to tell a story. Yes. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, Margaret. Yes. I used to always think about kind of finance at schools in terms of like, here's your budget, meet it or don't try not to spend money. And she's like early on in our relationship, this is both our, our six year our collective sixth year together. Sixth year. You guys are starting cohort together. We That's a powerful are. social capital relationship. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and I was I was kind of being apologetic or like, I know you don't want to spend money on it. She's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not against spending money. I am I just want to thoughtfully spend the resources we have. Right. Like, right. You're, you're both very smart, very wise, and just all the exciting. things. Yeah. It's yeah. really exciting. Um. Well, and, and so one of the things that the girls presented, and we've done work with Kiva f- since I started at Hopebrook, one of um, the first things we did through the Scott Center is um, we dug into a space that we have in downtown San Jose at the WeWork building. And our next door neighbors in our office were the Kiva San Jose team. And Sara Adil, who was leading that work alongside Jake and some other colleagues, um, became a, a good friend of mine. And um, we started talking, you know, a lot of their partner schools, Bellarmine, Notre Dame, and many, many others have Kiva clubs and we're doing this work at the high school. And I was like, oh, I'm actually really interested in doing this at a JK to eighth grade school, you know, four to 14 year olds. Can we do that? And she was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's try. So she was a great thought partner and how we might roll this out. Um, and if, we started, oh, sorry. And if we take a step back, Kiva is an organization that enables people to both give loans to others and for entrepreneurs to get loans that's right and a lot of them are micro loans right as little as 25 dollars. they're all all under ten thousand. so these are people these are entrepreneurs that um, oftentimes have a difficult time accessing loans for many reasons Um, many reasons that we actually dig into as a class when we do our kiva loans we're like oh what's happening in our system of finance that these people don't have access to traditional loans um, and ten thousand dollars to sixth, seventh, and eighth graders is a lot of money. Well, so yeah. we do have to break down, like, oh, but in the business world, when you're trying to launch a company, ten thousand dollars is still considered a micro loan. Yeah. Um, and so we've done some really fun challenges around Kiva loans, where we talk about, like, you know, this week we're only gonna we're only um, giving micro loans to um, entrepreneurs within a hundred miles of our campus, and and talking about how to make a local impact. Sometimes um, we've done it in buddies before where it's been an opt-in activity and different groups of buddies. This was like such a fun day. We were sitting out here in the amphitheater and we had like eight groups of buddies. These are all freshmen in high school. We're the older buddies and third graders now teamed up. They realized there was five minutes left to team up together. To um, They each had $25 and a, an entrepreneur in Kenya 
who wanted to create an artisan business needed $300 to complete her loan. And part of the, the uh, challenge with Kiva is that if you're not fully funded, then you don't receive that loan. So getting fully funded is a big deal. And, and that was something that these kids really dug into. So they like were recruiting other people and they're like, no, 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 we shouldn't give an individual loan. We should pool our money and then we will really be able to fund an entrepreneur that and seeing like so cool. they're like I mean sprinting across campus to try to get another team of buddies to come join them and you know Ilsa Ms. Doman and I were like you know trying to get the credit card information in fast enough and that was the last time we actually like actually put money into Kiva because the best part about this is that it's recyclable funds and and on the whole our entrepreneurs are paying back their loans really efficiently and really quickly and so every time we have a loan repayment, we get another group of kids together, and it's often during lunch or in the morning during advisory, and we reloan that money. So if we take just a step back, then so if it, let's say it's the three hundred dollars, so this goes to an entrepreneur, they repay that loan with little interest. Yeah, no interest for the no first interest. two years. Yeah, and then once that's repaid, you get your full three hundred dollars back. That's right. Yeah. It comes in and in increments. Okay. And then you're able to reloan that money. That's exactly right. Want. Like it just, it comes back to you. So yeah. if you have that $300 to loan, you can reloan that right. a number of times. Yeah. And it was fun. So um, one of the things that Sara did early on in the time of the Scott Center is she invited two of our students. They were seventh graders at the time. Now they're freshmen, Joanna and Jackson, to speak at the launch of Kiva San Jose, which was over 800 people were in the audience. Um, and... They were the only students featured, and they talked about this idea of recyclable money, um, and how you know the the system of finance is really built to be connected to others, and how powerful that is to see those loans repaid. So it's different, not not better or worse, but it's different than a grant. It's different than a donation, and we do talk about those things as well, um, and it's different than an investment. And so, knowing these terms knowing what it means to save, knowing what it means to loan um, is really empowering to children. That's great. We're going to link in the show notes. We have a great blog post that Ilsa actually put out. This was January 2018. There's a great photo of Jackson and Joanna with the Kiva sign. Uh, it's called Reaching Beyond Money Matters. There's a part one and part two. We'll link to that in the show notes. That's awesome. In the podcast description. There it is. Um, that's awesome. And yeah, and you know, kind of out of that also came a Money Matters elective class. I was sixth graders last year. Really awesome, fun, dynamic group of, of children um, that really didn't, I mean, the, speaking of, I could probably use some guidance on how to write show notes because I think my description of this elective was like pretty vague. Um, we didn't know exactly how, you know, I didn't have any knowledge of how much children were actually talking about money so we did a lot of surveying the first couple weeks and just getting ourselves comfortable having these conversations Um, and so one of the fun things we teamed up with Elsa to do this is we looked at the history of currency there's a great YouTube video we'll we'll put it on the in the show notes Um, and it looks at all of you know historically how we have used currency as a system and so that's everything from bartering to trading to notes to cash to credit cards and then you know of course we also dug into one of their favorite topics right now which is blockchain yeah that's super cool and yet this class was also incredibly creative so we had children you know as part of our history of currency they they performed skits and they wrote letters to one another embodying the different types of currency 
Um, we had invited the kindergarten class to come watch the skits and it was really a joyful, lots of laughter, lots of kind of exploration of like, why is bartering bad? No, we still barter. We still do pieces of bartering. In fact, one of our favorite collaborations is between the JK class and um, my inaugural seventh grade social entrepreneurship elective team in which those seventh graders went down and taught fair trade to the junior kindergartners and kindergartners that year and talked about, um, you know, what does it mean for a product to be fair trade? Guess which students on our campus use the words fair and trade the most? Kindergarten. Kindergartners. Of course. They loved it. Yeah. And, you know, that was a fun, that was a really fun elective because they also were looking into companies that were B certified. So we talk a lot about like, what are the systems that are already happening? It's fair trade. It's B corporations, 1% for the planet. And from those conversations, then we try to have students take some agency. And agency is really looking internal. It's like, we'll have a whole podcast episode about this topic, but um, here you go. Here's another connection to the pillars. Agency is about what you can do. So how do you see your dollar as a vote? Um, and and two of the things that, that children did is the 7th and 8th grade social impact elective last year that I co-taught with Clara No. Um, they designed a holiday shopping guide, and they gave people all sorts of ideas of where you might... Um, be able to find B corporations and fair trade items and, um, you know, reusable plastic straws so that you're being really mindful of the environment. You know, it's so interesting. At the beginning of the episode, I was like, oh, finance. I don't, I don't know. I don't know really how this fits. I've seen it. I've heard, like, I've heard a lot of stories about it. Um, none of this is coming across as new news to me. Um, and yet the thing that actually clicked the most for me is talking with kindergartners about fair, about trade, right? And then fair trade actually is a thing, right? It it feels surprisingly accessible to really young students. I had like such a. I mean, these are these are moments that just make you realize you're. I'm never going to be able to leave the career of education because this was like the greatest thing to have happened to me in so long. Um, I was doing playground duty in the morning a couple days ago and. I had a student that I hadn't really seen much this year, so I hadn't seen him since last year. And he came running over and he was like, yesterday I was shopping and I saw your lady. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what oh, does do I have mean? a lady? Like, this is my mom, this is my friend. Like, And he was like, I saw that lady that you showed us. And it took me a few more questions of being like, tell me more, to realize what he was referring to was the fair trade logo in which a woman is holding a basket as part of the logo. Oh, that's so fantastic. And so he was with his mom shopping at Whole Foods and um, they saw it, he saw it on the logo and was like really trying to describe it to her and did did an incredibly effective job because um, then I saw her at pickup later that afternoon and she was like, I learned all about fair trade and the ladies. <laughs> so that was a really fun moment of yeah. like, oh, these things do, you know, even though we don't know how they always play out or resonate, um, it's an exciting topic to dig into. Well, we almost did a, a similar thing at Target last week, looking at the back of soaps. We were trying to decide on a brand and a color and a scent Ooh, yes. of hand soap. Very important decision. Um, which can be a very big deal for junior kindergarten or first grader and second grader. Yeah. Um, and I was feeling particularly patient. So we, we collectively decided on which soap. And, and the back of one of the method soap had B Corp on it. Oh, yay. And so we, we chose that and actually showed the kids the logo and was like, this matters. That is so cool, Bill. Oh my gosh, I love these stories. Plus, it was coconut scent and oh my gosh. A great one. Okay, I'm going to so have good. to check that out. Yes. Yeah, I mean, then the number of companies, and of course, this is also complex and we could go 
really we need to have like 20 episodes about the pillar of finance because it's so rich and so fun to talk about this um but it's also really complex and talking about money is difficult because really it, it also illuminates complexities around privilege and race and geography and family um but because we all live in this system we do have an obligation to understand the system and to teach the system so that children know how they want to be involved in shaping and shifting it um and you know, so this was this was another creative project that came about like super organically, um, and that's that's part of the benefit of these elective classes is that I had very clear ideas of like the topics we were going to cover, and we had guest speakers coming in, and this class was just like ready to own their learning. They also had objectives that they came in, um, and we made some really fun Kiva loans in that class. So they each had an opportunity to both make a loan, but then also share with their classmates why they should join them in making that loan, which was effective for a few. And um, also, you know, is core to our belief at Hobrook, which is choice matters for kids. And, and this is a great way to, to let, you know, to let children have choice. Um, but our culminating project in that class came about because we, um, as part of the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship, connection to reach beyond block in the middle school Alyssa and I had been brainstorming this idea of like how do we help children both um make a donation because that is an important experience and we want to honor that but but really tie it to advocating on behalf of other people's work so advocating for nonprofits that matter to them so we um built this idea of something called a benefit fair and it was really a short cycle it was two weeks um, of our reach beyond blocks in the middle school and every child using the 17 sustainable development goals. So they chose the, the development goal that, that connected most to them. And we'll link, um, to that group as well. If you're not familiar, these are also great talking points. Um, if you are looking to, to have conversations with your child about social entrepreneurship, it's great language. Um, and then within those groups, so each classroom was assigned, um, a faculty member, a couple faculty members, and they chose a nonprofit and you could work in groups or individually. And you created a poster for a nonprofit that matters to you connected to that SDG. So we were trying to figure out, okay, so then the gallery walk, we wanted children to be able to vote. And typically at Holbrook, we vote with post-its or with check marks. But this felt like an opportunity to really bring in the pillar of finance to some of our education. Um, so I brought this problem to my class. I was like, okay, so I've been trying to figure out how do we, how do we assign value? Because really that's what finance is about. How do we assign value to these different nonprofits and, and let people... Um, you know, and maybe you'll vote for your own, but most likely you're going to vote for someone else's. Um, and so we started thinking about like, oh, it's kind of like a social capital currency. And could we make something? Should it be like a star? Should it be a dollar bill? And we ended up um, with some sort of coin. And then within maybe an hour, maybe it was an hour and a half, it definitely went into lunch because I have a very vivid memory of them discussing which person should be on the coin. And it was Miss Pock, Mr. Silver. And then we had this conversation like, oh, it typically isn't people that are still living that oh, are on our that are on our um, currency. So, you know, who are the people that are on currencies? Someone looked it up and it was like, okay, Abe Lincoln, George Washington. Um, so then they started thinking about like, oh, who are the people that represent the history of Hillbrook School? And two students like just immediately took off running. They were like, <laughs> we got to find Mr. DeMarco, who is just our amazing history buff of the school. And, and has, wrote the book about Hillbrook. The twig, as the twig is bent. As the twig is bent, which is the copy that they were looking for. So they, oh, they so found cool. Mr. DeMarco. He gave them the book and they came back and pretty much um, 
immediately it was like, oh, we've got to put the four founding women yes. on this yes. on this coin that we hadn't yet named. And so this was just a huge moment too to recognize like it's really rare for women to be on currency. It's like a, a large um, area of growth for the, the pillar of finance. And so to see you know this group of boys and girls in sixth grade really name that and, and be able to advocate for that was super cool. They then quickly realized, like, oh, we don't have a lot of photos of these women. Um, so they did some, within 20 minutes, had designed this little circle, decided our core values would be um, the written word on the currency, and then the four women are pictured pretty blurry. So that's, you know, a little bit problematic, but so not the point um, right. of, of it. And then we voted, and, and the name that we came up with for this currency is Hillbucks. And Hillbucks were used every student. So then, then we turned ourselves into a factory, the next two classes. A mint. A mint. Yes. We were the mint. Um, and it was really fun. Like we, you know, it was assembly line and we were just like working till the last second of that class to get these Hillbucks ready for benefit fair. Um, and every middle school child got three Hillbucks and voted for the organizations um, that mattered to them and, and the organizations with the top 10 number of Hillbucks. So then... Following Benefit Fair, we did the calculations of like, okay, we have $500 to donate to organizations. How are we going to do this? There's a lot of math involved in that. Thank goodness for um, the math minds at Hillbrook that helped me think through the <laughs> algorithms. And then, you know, 10 organizations got donations from the Scott Center through this Hillbucks. That's so great. And this continues to come up, the idea of the Hillbuck. Talking with middle school students just yesterday. And they're like, you know what? Like... Compared to U.S. dollars, there are very few hill bucks, which actually makes the hill buck more valuable. Oh, that's so fun. Right? And they, they just, they were super like off task with what I was trying to do with them. Right. But went on this tangent just talking about actually the value of the hill buck. Oh, that's fascinating. And the, the scarcity of it actually makes it more valuable. Um, and yeah, they're, they're making a really incredible connection to the gold standard. Right. And, you know, what we're... Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, and, and it does come up all the time. People are like, we should use Hillbucks for this. Um, and of course, as an educator, I'm both like, that's the most amazing thing. And we're kind of like, yes. And we want to be really mindful of the privilege that comes from, you know, being a school that creates our own currency and, and being thoughtful about how we do that. Sure. I tried on Amazon shortly after to actually just buy it using Hillbucks and it did not work. Oh, bummer. Sorry about I actually, that. Actually, I didn't. That, I made that up. That would have been really, really fun, though, if they accepted your Hillbucks. Right. That would give you one Hillbuck for <laughs> all the things. Well, and, you know, then it, um, Clara No in the, in the seventh grade team last year ran a marketplace and we and used their version of Hillbucks. So this is an evolving currency. If you haven't yet read or gotten the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship Impact Report, there are other stories about the Hillbucks. You can actually see the currency printed on that report. So that's a, we'll link the report as well um, in the show notes. Um, so it's been, you know, it's been creative. It's been fun. There's been a lot of laughter and joy. Um, in these projects, and I think it has really empowered students to see themselves as as change agents within this system. That's exciting, man. We've covered a lot. This is a longer episode than usual, but that's okay. I feel really like you know the other pillars. I think this is going to be true of of everyone. Everyone's going to have a favorite pillar, and they're going to think you can't say that because you know all the pillars matter. Yay! Mm -hmm. And that is true. You're not doing social entrepreneurship education if you're not using all six of those pillars in some way. I deeply believe that. Finance, 
my students would tell you this, my colleagues, you know this about me. Finance is one that I'm deeply interested in and I find just incredibly exciting to talk to other people about because it's it's a bit of a mystery at school still. Yeah, absolutely. And it I was expecting to feel a little bit icky talking yeah. about kind of money with kids feels like a weird way to enter it, but we hear you know, we heard in this episode alone like so many examples of how you can actually talk to students about value about currency, about what they bring to the table. You know, it's it's accessible for our eighth graders. It's accessible for our kindergartners. Uh, we need to have some more episodes about this, I think. Yeah, I think we do. I think we're going to have to bring those. The So Eden and I, Miss Maisel and I are running um, the, it's called with, with D, I think we already said that, Women in Finance and Tech Teaching Youth. So maybe we could pull in some of those students and they could share more because they're going to be looking into women that, are entrepreneurs, women that work in finance and tech, and they'd be great people to run some of these finance episodes. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to continue hitting the pillars of social entrepreneurship. So I don't know if we're going to do a part one and part two immediately, but we're going to, we need to loop back to this. For sure. I mean, we saw this last year too, and, and I was talking to a couple other students. Um, we had a, a student, Robert, who's been really active in the, the Scott Center from the beginning, and he did a whole mini-series. Um, him and his his friend, I call him Mr. Patagucci Landon, did a whole mini-series on Finance Fridays. Um, they were inspired by a podcast of two of my college um, classmates who um, are now do Robin Robin Hood Snacks. It used to be Market Snacks, and it's you know these short snippets of what's happening in the market and Robert was like, I listen to it every morning and we should have like CNN for money or finance for kids. And so, you know, this is also a place where we see a lot of leadership from students and and Robert still comes back to talk about this topic. Well, that's exciting. We have a lot of homework for you guys in the show notes, in the podcast description, a lot of resources, lots of links. We'll continue to talk. Yeah. Make a key alone this weekend. Sit down with your child. $25. There's a lot of research. This is another, sorry to get us, just cannot wrap up this topic I today. I, I keep trying psyched. to put a bow on it. You keep I unwrapping it. I keep opening it, it up. Um, but there is a really great episode from Aspen Ideas Festival this summer around um, the connection of spending money and happiness. And there's a lot of research out there that spending money on other people makes you happy. So take the take the challenge this time. Make a Kiva loan with your child. Talk to them about why they chose to make the Kiva loan to that person. Um, it's a great entry point to this pillar. Absolutely. Well, cool. You can always find all the resources at hillbrookcte.org. You can find info for the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship. Yep. Through our website, through emailing me, um, definitely check out the impact report and we will be launching a new website mid November. So that will be full of resources, um, specific to each pillar. So stay tuned for that. We also are featuring our pillars on our social media. So um, we will have links to those handles in our show notes, and um, we hope you will follow us. Absolutely. Thanks for chatting, Annie. Good to chat with you, Bill. Thanks for letting me be so excited.